Hey folks, this is Kevin. Just a few words before we start. Listen, if you go right now to thestorystudio.org, at the top of the homepage, you'll see a little sign that says, want access to our online videos? And then a button you can press that says, send me the videos. Go there, click that button, and we'll send you free videos, including the entire first lecture in our new course, Storytelling for Business. It's over 100 minutes of video lectures. It's over 30 pages of exercises to walk you through step-by-step the foolproof process for workshopping a story for any situation in your career. Because every day you want to move someone or inspire someone or persuade someone, if you don't know how to tell a compelling and motivating story, you will not be as effective. You will walk away from this course with so much that you can work with throughout the rest of your life. You will learn how to use the six senses to trigger emotional responses. You'll learn the five beats of a classic story structure. You'll learn the one essential difference between stories told in business context and all other kinds of stories. And you'll learn how to drive a narrative over a trajectory toward one surefire selling point. Don't miss out because you can get 50% off of the course right now. If you just go to thestorystudio.org and click on that link that says, send me the videos, you'll be off and running. Storytelling for business. Go get it at thestorystudio.org today. Now here's the show. Kids, this is Extra Risk, where we give you just a little bit more of the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and this is Moodya Dupli behind me now. Now, today on the show, we're going to feature one more story from our fabulous San Francisco show that we did just a little while back. We're going to hear from the great Greg Proops here. Uh, He has a podcast you may already know called The Smartest Man in the World. You know that I love distinct voices. And here is a man with an unforgettable voice, not to mention all the sound effects he includes in his stories. And so here it is, the last of our offerings from San Francisco Sketch Fest this year. It's Greg Proops with a story we call Strange Days in the Chicken Room. I'm from San Carlos, California, and uh, yeah, the whitest place on the face of the earth, home of the Plain Yogurt Festival. And 
take out the fruit, the powerful taste is burning our tongues. We're not used to your spicy ethnic fare. So I grew up here, right, in the, in the 70s. Uh, I'm a little older than you. And uh, I was a teenager, and I graduated early from San Carlos High School, which isn't there anymore. I remember going to a meeting with my advisor. What do they call them there? Advisor. And uh, the older Centurion fellow, his name was Mr. Ireland, and he looked like Burl Ives, if you remember what Burl Ives looked like. He had a white beard and little spectacles, and he said... Mrs. Lee in foods class says you're often high. And I said, well, yeah, but Mrs. Lee's an alcoholic. And because uh, when she would pour the vanilla in the cake, she was like, like that and shit. So I graduated early and uh, I didn't have nothing to do and I didn't have a job and I wasn't feeling so hot. And I was living with my mom and dad in apartments in Carlos and uh, I was looking in the want ads in the newspaper. Now, I realize this is like saying to this generation of people, I was walking through the town square of Babylonia and I saw a stila with a carving in it that, was, that had my name right all over it. Bushel of wheat, bushel of wheat, oxhead, oxhead, Greg, is what it said. I think it was the San Mateo Times and it said, driver needed, pizza parlor, uh, must have car with stroke INS, insurance, right? Uh, up here at this uh, address in Burlingame. Pizza Man Chicken Delight on Burlingame Avenue, right? So I rolls up in my Vega. And, uh, oh yeah, I tricked it though because I had a little cassette deck in it in those days, yeah. Because then you didn't have to wait for the eight track to turn over at the end of the chalk. The cassette deck was smooth sailing. And, uh, uh, <laughs> And, and, it had a, and it had an FM radio, which was big shit. And, uh, and the heat worked and whatnot. So in any case, uh, I pitches up uh, to the pizza man. And I walks in, gling, gling, right? And it's a big glass uh, door. The place hasn't been different in 100 years. It once was a chicken delight when that was a popular chain in America. And their theme song went, Down kick tonight called Chicken Delight. And there was a giant plastic chicken on top of the building. In, like, kind of in a, in a delightful, like... <laughs> holding a platter of, ch of chicken. <laughs> Wearing a chef's hat as if it had just cooked its own progeny and like... Really not the same taste set that we have now. Uh, I guess in the 60s people went, fucking that chicken must have beat those chicken up. Let's get in there. So I goes in and uh, Lonnie uh, owns the place and uh, he's got pockmarks and uh, uh, bangs and... Uh, 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 Fu Manchu, and he goes, um, uh, am I drawing a picture for you? He's wearing a white apron and a wife beater and has a gold chain. And he says, proops, huh? And I can tell he thinks I'm a fruit, right? Because I, I have giant Diane Keaton Annie Hall glasses. This is the 70s. And a V-neck fucking like long sleeve t-shirt and like a groovy belt buckle, you know? And he goes, uh-huh. You got a car? I go, yeah. He goes, uh, you got insurance? I go, yeah. He goes, all right. So you start tonight at four. If you get in an accident, don't tell the fucking cops you work here. <laughs> so I comes back, and uh, he gives me a pizza oven, right? Which was a big styrofoam case like that, that all the pizzas went in. Then he goes, oh. big map of San Mateo Burlingame on the wall, like Churchill's war room. <laughs> this is way before GPS. So there's like, a, like literally a wall with Burlingame and Northern San Mateo on it and pins in it that I couldn't determine why the pins were in there. 
Like we were doing strategic strikes on certain areas. Like, Truesdale needs a pepperoni, you know, like, like, so. I meets the rest of the staff, right? There's an older fellow, older by my, by my standards. I don't know, he's a teenager. He's probably 40. Uh, he looked like, he looked like Rodney Dangerfield, if Rodney Dangerfield suffered from an all-consuming sort of pellagra-type illness, right? Like, he, he was a bit wasted, and he had white hair, and he was wearing what appeared to be a UPS outfit, like he had brown, like a uniform, and I go, hey. And I'm introduced, his name was Stubby. And uh, st I go, Stubby, um, may I venture? Um, why, why do you wear a uniform? I thought we were freaks. So I'm like, now it's nighttime. I'm wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt. And uh, he goes, uh, you get, you get more respect, you get more tips. <laughs> some, some insight into the tipping world. Evidently, if you wore a brown uniform when delivering pizzas, it shocked people into realizing your status was higher than they'd imagined when you rang the bell. <laughs> oh my God, you're in a uniform. Well, why not have epaulets and a fucking like Italian policeman hat on? You know, let's go the whole... Why not do a comic opera? You know, let's just do the whole... Uh, I'm going to wear a sword if it's going to get me tips. <laughs> I have your cannelloni. <laughs> Avast. And uh, so uh, I meet uh, Lonnie's mother, and uh, her name's Tina. And she takes the orders, right? And it was on one of those big old phones, right? One of those uh, Bakelite ones that weighed a thousand pounds that had the, uh, the plastic ear thing screwed into it, right? If anybody remembers those, so that you could cradle it like that in your ear, right? So you could take the orders, and she'd write the orders down on a slip and then put them on one of those heinous spikes that I always thought were so dangerous that were in every restaurant in the world for a million years. You see them in the old movies. Like, American Charlie with red pants, burn 50 and no name tag. Cold pig on a green sea. And she's in a wheelchair. So later in the evening, after a few deliveries, I'm, I'm, I'm set free, right? And I'm delivering pizzas all over Semito and shit. And uh, uh, I go, Tina, uh, uh, may I ask why are you in the wheelchair? And she goes, oh, I don't need it. I just don't like walking around. <laughs> so I deliver like 30 pizzas my first night. And uh, we adjourn at the end of the night. The doors are closed. The lock is put on. And Lonnie goes, hey, Proops, uh, you did 30. That's pretty good, man. It was a buck a run in tips. A buck. So I made $30 and probably another $10. People used to tip in 1979 50 cents or a quarter and shit for a pizza, which I took a jaundiced view at even then. A dollar or two dollars, that was cool. A quarter, your gu my gum went on your fucking car. Less than a quarter, and there might have been worse. Like, I might pour a Pepsi all over your shit. And, uh, like, he goes, uh, you smoke weed? And I go, yeah, man. Because I had long hair. Like, uh, my, I loved Ian Hunter from Mott the Hoople. So I had, like, long golden hair and shit. I go, yeah, man. And he goes, uh, all right, come back, back. So we go back in the chicken room, where the chickens are sawed and put in milk and put in bread and stuff like that. The most horrifying. I can't even describe to you. It should have been in black and white. You know what I mean? Like a, the chicken room is one of the most horrible scenes you'll ever. So we light up a joint, and he goes, "I sell weed, man. I also sell crank." Well, if y'all y'all don't know what crank is, let me hip you to the jive. Uh, we nowadays we would call it methamphetamine, 
uh, in the 70s. It was called Crank, and it was quite yellow, and it smelled like the bottom of a case of cabbages. If you've ever worked in a restaurant and unloaded produce, uh, at the bottom of a case of cabbages, there's a distinct smell. And as soon as you took a line of this Crank, your eyes exploded in fury. And... <laughs> The back of your nasal cavity fucking just sent shockwaves all the way up into your spine. Your cerebral cortex was on mad alert and you were just tearing ammonia the minute you snorted it because of whatever it was cut with. Because this was math the make... God damn it, when America was great, you could... <laughs> you could smoke indoors, you could have sex without a condom, and you could do meth that made your head explode. That was made in a biker sink, goddammit, the way America was built in biker sinks. So I buy some weed, I buy some meth, I'm on my way home, I'm like, this is the best job I've ever had. How did I not know this job fucking existed, right? So I come in at like four or 3.30 and he go, I hear him upstairs, right? I can't make a clicking. Uh, you'd walk in and the bell would ring, ling, ling, and he'd, you'd hear upstairs. Right, right? Nobody? He's chopping fucking rails of, of meth, right? And he's just got a huge mirror in his, his office upstairs. And he just... And then you hear, proof! Because he... Let me, let me just uh, also alert you to another thing. When someone takes a crank every day, their personality tends to be a little ropey sometimes. <laughs> They're not easygoing yoga. They can be agitated, okay? His complexion looked like some, uh, as if his face had been on fire and someone put it out with a bicycle chain dipped in oil. <laughs> he worked over a deep fryer all day and made pizzas and snorted as much uh, crank as you could possibly. Fold some boxes, which was a horrible job. You had to fold the pizza boxes. So we do that. Then around four, the pizzas start coming in. Well, there's regulars, right? A lady lived across the tracks in San Mateo. And every night I had to deliver her uh, a box of chicken a, and I'd have to go to the store and buy her a pack of palm oils and a quart of milk. You go to some, I went to this one lady's house and she goes, I died two weeks ago. I fell off a hill. And I'm like, does that mean a gratuity is out of the question? I wonder in the afterworld, do they remunerate young swains such as myself who have shown the metal to come into your home and listen to your sad tale? Two children would pull up about five o'clock every afternoon, Timmy and Eddie, on their little stingrays. Remember stingrays? with a little bell on them and whatnot, a red one and a purple one, and they'd chuck them in the alley. And they'd come inside and they'd put all the chicken in the milk and shit. And then Lonnie would pay them with bags of weed. And I know the crowd, I knew you guys would go judgmental. <laughs> There's no telling this story now. Because everyone thinks that they're like, oh my God, the world's so fucked up, they got paid in weed. By the way, kids are still being paid in weed now, okay? <laughs> Whatever little bourgeois NPR world you're living in, I wanna tell you. I'm here to tell you that kids are being paid in weed. And they loved it. They fucking loved it. So when we would convene at the end of the night, Stubby would fuck off. And me and Tina and Lonnie's sister, Lisa, who had uh, uh, her hair in that awesome, uh, 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 what do they call that dye job? Super peroxide slut. Uh, <laughs> where the roots are dark as fuck and, and, the, and the rest is white as can be. And the, and the 70s awesome jeans with the little leather cross hatchings on the butt and uh, her boyfriend Bobby and uh, he was a piece of work. Um, we would put on, he had two records in the back room, in the chicken room. Uh, he had a phonograph and he had two, a stereo. Uh, he had a stereo and, a, and, and he had two records. Um, Rod Stewart's Footloose and Fancy Free 
and uh, James Brown's Greatest Hits on a label I've never been able to identify. It was one of those fucking 299, what the, on the faucet label. Faucet where fine funk is formed. Like, I don't know what this fucking record. So it would be, I Feel Good by James Brown. And we'd all stand around smoke joints and dance, right? The little kids, everybody, Tina, fucking dancing to James Brown. And then uh, Lonnie goes, hey, Proops, you want some of this? And Bobby, the brother-in-law, pulls me aside and goes, if Lonnie offers you a hit, don't fucking take it. I'm like, why, man? He goes, because he smokes angel dust. <laughs> he does a lot of crank and he can't really get a hit off weed. So he has to fucking, I'm like, okay, right. I'm good. I'm good. Because I don't know if you ever smoked angel dust. Evidently not because you've gone so fucking quiet and judgmental. <laughs> I feel like I'm telling this story in Utah in the 40s. <laughs> A little kid gets high and a dude smokes some PCP and you guys come all a flutter and shit. <laughs> I feel good. Uh, and every once in a while, um, his dealer would come in, right? And that was the only time I ever saw Lonnie Brighton. Because generally he was grumpy. I learned that he had been the guest of several penal institutions in the state of California and uh, had also been in the Marine Corps, it was undetermined whether he had finished his hitch. And uh, he had a Marine tattoo, right? He had a Semper Fi tattoo, and, uh, and several other creative tattoos that I imagine other fellows had drawn on him <laughs> during his time as a guest of the state. And uh, he, uh, uh, he was often, as I say, agitated, uh, but every once in a while his dealer would come in and his dealer's name, I can't remember, Kanang or some fucking shit, I'm not kidding. He drove a black Firebird with an enormous fucking busybody, you know, the busybody, the custom paint eagle on the front, right? And he had a Doberman Pinscher and a girlfriend who weighed 11 pounds, right? <laughs> on the fucking 70s shoes, right? And the little whippy, wispy jeans and shit and she had the blonde hair that went around her face and <laughs> He'd come in, no shirt, leather vest, Civil War hat. <laughs> Remember that look? And the Doberman, right in the shop. <laughs> and then Lonnie'd be like, hey man, Proops, watch the counter, we're gonna go upstairs. And then he was as happy as he could be, because he knew he was getting the most crank he could possibly get. <laughs> Every once in a while I'd go over to the dealer's house to deliver a pizza, which were always complimentary. And uh, I'd come in and he'd go, hey, it's you, the pizza dude. You want a bump? Yeah, I want a bump. Fucking go into it. He goes in the back, man. Go in the bedroom, one of those little two-bedroom apartments in fucking San Mateo. And on, on the the, the uh, Broy Hill fucking bureau. Yeah, you heard me. On the Broy Hill bureau would be a rail the size of like the median of the I-5, right? Just so I. The Doberman, right? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, he's all right. He don't bite. Ignore him. Fucking Doberman right up there. You want to hang around and get high? No, I got to go back, man. I got to go back. Fucking get in the car, light up a cool, and fucking put on K-Soul. And I was you and I, we've been together since the six was nine. That's right. Right, Rick James and shit. 
eventually, uh, I grew, we went to several concerts uh, on a mad amount of math. Went to one over here uh, at the Fillmore in San Francisco, and this is the end. Uh, I went with my friend Jane Nacido. We went to see uh, uh, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, we're parking the car. And if you recall what the Fillmore was like in the 70s, it was like, kind of like Warsaw right after the war. <laughs> we're parking the car. And I get out of the car so he can park the Toyota, right? We've come up from San Carlos. Um, two dudes pull up in a black Cadillac, right? And, uh, and they just, you know, I'm standing in the street, drum. Back in Cadillac. Two fucking Samoan dudes with eyes like fucking insane volcanoes. And the window goes down. And they go, everything cool? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, everything's cool, man. They go, there's a problem. Because if there's a problem, we'll fucking deal with that. And I'm like, there's a problem. Everything's as cool as it can be. No, because if there's a problem, I'm like, no, 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 Windows go back. They fucking pull off. I'm like, oh my god. So I'm on so much cranking beer. Sit down on the sidewalk. I'm like, I almost got fucking shot for being a fucking dickwad from the peninsula for flipping off two fucking gangsters who are clearly strapped and shit. They're like holding them under the seats. My friend Jay gets out of the car and goes, what's happening? He missed the whole fucking thing. I'm like, I'm, I can't, I'm, I'm, let's go see Richie Blackmore, man. And that is my story, and I thank you. Good night. For this week, folks, this is Persephone's Bees. Behind me now with a song that takes me right back to the heyday of Blondie and Talking Heads, and I got nothing bad to say about that. Now, Greg Proop's story there was the last of the stories from our appearance at the San Francisco Sketchfest. We've got another live episode coming soon of our appearance at the North Carolina Comedy Festival. We've been going from festival to festival and just having the best time. If you want to bring Risk to your town, write to us. Write to me at kevin at risk-show.com. Let's figure out how to get us there. 
Oh, and your school. We want to do more college shows. We love doing shows at colleges with the professors and the students jumping in and telling stories. Always amazing. And don't forget, you can pitch us your own stories at risk-show.com slash submissions. We also welcome our fans' ideas about where we might find an investor, where we might find some help with our web programming and design, where we might find someone who knows something about entertainment law. And we're looking for a sponsor for our April 20th show in Philadelphia. We're expecting about 400 people in attendance. It's at the Free Library, and First Person Arts is helping us put the show on. Write to us at kevin at risk-show.com about any of those things. And don't miss the next Risk Live shows in New York and Los Angeles on February 28th. In New York at the Pit, we will have Rob Delaney. In Los Angeles at Nerd Melt, we will have Kurt Braunohler. Just go to risk-show.com slash tour to find out about our live shows. And once again, you know where to find that phenomenal storytelling for business video course, including 30 pages of workbook exercises. You just go to thestorystudio.org and click on the button that says, send me the videos. You will get 50% off at thestorystudio.org if you act now. Risk is a maximum fun podcast, and we are listener supported. In order to help keep us running, please Go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Folks, today's the day. Take a risk. This is Risk. Well, I'll tell you, oh, fuck! <laughs>